Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a college girl goes missing and police suspect murder. A cryptic text message provides a salacious clue. And that was code for sex shenanigans and sex. In the back of my mind, I think I knew that something wrong had happened. The victim's boyfriend had a shady past. Whether they had a relationship, and he also had a a history of a sex offense. Despite some blood evidence, police can't find the girl's body, which raises even more questions. Without anything pointing us to her, I don't think we will ever find her. Many students at the University of Nebraska work during the school year to pay for living expenses or even tuition. 19-year-old Jessica O'Grady worked as a waitress in a local steak restaurant. Her goal was to pursue a career in child care. She started out as a social studies major, and then she worked at a daycare also, and so the more she worked there, the more she realized that she loved kids and had a passion for it and decided that she wanted to be a teacher. As her sophomore year was coming to an end, Jessica celebrated with friends while making plans for the summer vacation. Jessica was with her friends that evening. They'd ordered some pizza. They'd been watching movies. She got a message, probably a text message of some sort, and she indicated that um, she was going to go over and talk to Chris. Really? Um, so I'm actually going to go over to Chris's. Really? And I was like, you're going over to Chris's? And so then she went to her bathroom and took a shower and got ready and left to go over there. Everyone assumed that Chris was Chris Edwards, Jessica's co-worker in the restaurant and a fellow student at the university. Jessica left her apartment around 11.30 p.m., and that was the last time anyone saw her. Two days later, when she hadn't returned home and wasn't returning phone calls, her friends and relatives notified police. You know, 98% of the time, when we receive a missing person report, we're able to determine within the first uh, 24 to 48 hours um, that they're, they're, they're not really missing. We, we've located them. But this case was different. Police found Jessica's car abandoned near the restaurant where she worked. Her family knew immediately something was wrong. She wasn't blessed with cleanliness when it came to her car, and there was hardly any trash in it. And that was concerning to me. That wasn't like Jessica at all. And Jessica's friend, Chris Edwards, said he didn't see Jessica that night. He claimed he was at a movie with his friends, an alibi that checked out. 
We did go to the movie theater, located video um, of the movie ending, and saw him when he was leaving the movie theater. He told me he hadn't, didn't know she was coming over that night. Here's a young girl, you know, attractive, a college student. Why would she just disappear? And it was clear from talking to the family how passionate they were that she didn't just walk away from her life here. Then police learned two potentially disturbing pieces of information. First, that Jessica might have been pregnant. She had taken a pregnancy test at her friend's house and told her friend and her mother that she was pregnant. And they also learned that there was another Chris in Jessica's life, someone she'd been dating several months earlier. Could this be the Chris she was going to see? Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When police first learned that Jessica O'Grady was pregnant, they thought the stress of this unexpected event may have prompted her to simply run off. But as the hours passed and there was still no sign of her, they began to lose hope. I mean, she didn't take any clothes with her. Not her personal items, her personal hygiene items, those kinds of things. There's no activity on any credit cards. There's no activity on a cell phone. Um, She's not talking with any of her friends. She does that uh, daily. She's not talking with her aunt that she talked to on a daily basis. The last time anyone saw Jessica was at 11.30 p.m. when she said she was going to her friend Chris's apartment. An hour later, at 12.29 a.m., Jessica sent this text message to a friend. It read, No more shenanigans for Jessica. We knew that it was from Jessica because shenanigans was a code word that Jessica had for sex. What did it mean exactly? I don't know, but um, that was the last text message that one of the friends received. Investigators first wanted to know where the text message originated which can be identified by the location of the cell towers that were used. Some of the phone companies only keep their text messages for 24 hours or a very short period of time, and we were never able to retrieve the text message records. Next, investigators wanted to know the identity of Chris. Jessica's friends assumed it was the boy she'd been dating, Chris Edwards. He claimed he didn't see Jessica that night and was at a movie with friends. And he had a ticket stub and witnesses to prove it. The other Chris she knew was Chris Ryan, a man she dated several months earlier. Chris had a a past um, that required him to register as a sex offender. And obviously that was a red flag. He'd served two and a half years on a statutory rape charge and had been out of prison for 20 months. But he also had an alibi. There was no evidence from phone records, from computers, from friends, that she'd had any additional contact with the other Chris for several weeks. 
Investigators were running out of answers until they learned that Jessica's co-worker, Chris Edwards, had been dating other girls while he was with Jessica. And one of those girls, Michelle, was also pregnant. Jessica knew who Michelle was, and Michelle actually knew who Jessica was. They had worked um, at the same restaurant. But Edwards told them both different stories. Chris was kind of playing both of these girls. One of them, he told her he wanted to be with her, and um, they were going to have a baby together. And then the the other one, uh, Jessica, he indicated that the other girl was more like a fling kind of thing. Investigators learned that Jessica had already informed Edwards that he was the father of her baby and that she had no intention of terminating the pregnancy. She seemed to be okay about it and thought things were going to work out. When she learned uh, that she was pregnant, uh, she went out and bought prenatal vitamins, you know, things that an expectant mother would start doing. So that showed us that she had every intent of, you know, keeping this baby Investigators decided to re-interview Chris Edwards. And as they spoke to him about Jessica, he said something unusual. Interestingly, he talked about Jessica in both the present and the past tense. And we thought that, we found that to be very interesting too. Chris Edwards lived in the basement of his aunt's house in the suburbs of Omaha. His room had a separate entrance so he could come and go as he pleased. When police came to question him, he invited them inside. This was just a knock and talk. They weren't, you know, it wasn't a search warrant at that point. They just wanted to, to just talk to him uh, informally. Investigators asked if they could have a look around. They asked him, you know, if there was any part of the house that he didn't want the investigators to look at. He said, well, um, I don't really want you to, you know, look at my bed or look at my camping equipment. And they really, you know, obviously that's a red flag. They kind of wanted to know what that was all about. Investigators asked Edwards where he was on the night Jessica disappeared. And he repeated his alibi that he was at the movies with friends. Investigators found evidence that Edwards stopped at a Walgreens store the day after Jessica disappeared and bought some unusual items. Someone, presumably Chris, had gone to Walgreens and purchased three items. There was poster paint, white shoe polish, and whiteout, the type of whiteout that you use for corrector fluid. Surveillance images from the drugstore showed without question that Chris Edwards made this purchase and not someone else using his credit card. In Edwards' bedroom, investigators noticed sections of drywall that were a different shade of white. Looking closer, they noticed small stains underneath the paint. In fact, there was blood all over the ceiling and you knew that there had been an attempt to try to cover that up. They said, Chris, you know, there's some blood. This is before he went upstairs. There's some blood here. He indicated he cut his finger. There was a minimum of seven cast-off stain patterns. There was actually six um, cast-off stains, and you add one on um, for the first swing or for the first strike. There was some paint that had been used and some shoe polish that had been used to try to cover up those stains, but there was so much blood up there um, 
you would have had to repaint the whole wall or the whole ceiling several times to cover it up. Local television news crews found out about it and broadcast the search on live television. We actually got a tip that the CSI and investigators were going to be out there searching. We could see the investigators working in the garage with the lights off, special alternative light sources that they use, spraying the luminol, that sort of thing. I probably had 15 phone calls from people. Are you seeing this? Are you watching this? Did you know this was happening? Investigators also turned over Edward's mattress. It was covered with a huge blood stain. It went down within the bedding of the mattress, and I believe um, it took up about approximately like eight square feet onto the mattress. I believe he had stated that it was from menstrual blood um, on the mattress, and... Um, I was looking at that going, mm, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, definitely something happened here, and it was not um, something that somebody could have survived from. More evidence was found elsewhere in the house. The garage was actually kind of a gold mine. In the back of the car, in the trunk, we found um, some transfer blood. In the back seat on the floorboard, there were a pair of hedge clippers. Investigators found a dirty shovel in the back of Edward's car, but a geological analysis of the dirt was unable to determine where this soil sample came from. We found some grass on the shovel. They took it to the agricultural college, and they determined that they believed it was potentially the kind of grass that would grow on a golf course. Edward's mattress and a four-by-four-foot section of his bedroom ceiling were removed and taken to the forensics lab. Identifying the blood with DNA testing wouldn't be easy since they didn't have Jessica's DNA profile. Law enforcement K-9 units and more than 150 volunteers searched the countryside looking for Jessica's body. But with so much open space in Nebraska, a body could easily be hidden and never found. That is the big mystery. What did he do with her? Where's her body? To identify the blood found in Chris Edwards' bedroom, scientists needed Jessica O'Grady's DNA profile. But without her body, they didn't have her DNA. The way we were able to establish Jessica O'Grady's identity based on DNA was from items of hers that were collected at her house, including her toothbrush, a comb, uh, a razor that, was, that she used, and a pair of her underwear. From these items, DNA was collected and compared against each other. The DNA sample matched the DNA sample of the blood in Chris Edwards' bedroom. I had to tell my daughter. She started to cry. But, you know, the resilience of kids, she said, Mom, I don't want you to worry. I said, okay. I said, why? And she said, because Jessica's an angel now. And she's right here with us right now. The next step was to attempt to identify the murder weapon. The nature of the blood spatter made it apparent that the murder weapon was a large knife. Investigators couldn't find any such weapon when they first searched Edward's home. But when they returned a second time, several days later, they found something that wasn't there before. A box containing two swords 
with 18-inch blades. Did he think he was out of the woods and had put him somewhere else for a while, knowing the police might search, and then put him back in, in this closet? That's a possibility. How stupid is this kid? I just couldn't believe that he had, if these were the weapons, he had brought him back. Um, he probably didn't think that we would be coming back. The swords, called Bangkok battle swords, are often used in martial arts performances. They could have caused the small elliptical cast-off blood spatters in Edward's bedroom. Though the swords had apparently been cleaned, analysts found traces of human blood along one of the blades. The sample was sent for DNA testing. The blood was Jessica's. Skin cells on the blade's handle also produced a DNA profile. It belonged to Chris Edwards. With that evidence, Chris Edwards was charged with murder, but he continued to deny any involvement. Many people, even when they're confronted with as much evidence as you can muster in a case, are still going to continue denying that they did anything till the end of time. We still have to prove that Jessica was dead and not just missing. And so we looked at common sense. You look at the mattress and you look at the blood spatter and the detectives and everyone in common sense tells us whoever shed this blood is not coming back. This is a lot. Prosecutors believe Chris Edwards didn't have any serious interest in Jessica O'Grady. So when she got pregnant, that caused problems. When Jess originally told him, he was somewhat uh, upset about it. They, they argued about it. And then uh, later on, as time progressed, um, he seemed to calm down and they were going to have a meeting to talk, to talk about it. Friends said Jessica had no plans to terminate the pregnancy. And Edward's other girlfriend, Michelle, who was also pregnant at the time, was the more serious relationship of the two. He was in love with Michelle and wanted to marry Michelle. There were a lot of questions that came up uh, from that relationship with Michelle, and obviously he's seeing Jessica O'Grady at the same time, so certainly that would be a, that would be a problem for him. On the night of the murder, prosecutors believe Jessica and Edwards talked by text message and set up a meeting that night around midnight. According to friends, Jessica said she was going to Chris's apartment. Although Edwards did go to the movies with friends that night, the movie was over early enough to meet Jessica at his home around midnight. Prosecutors have no idea what transpired between the two, but they obviously discussed the status of their relationship. Friends said that Jessica knew about his other pregnant girlfriend, Michelle. Did you ask Michelle if getting rid of the baby was... We're not talking about Michelle. More than likely, they also discussed the status of Jessica's pregnancy. In any case, Edwards had to realize that no matter which girlfriend he chose, he'd be supporting two children on his cook salary. 12.29 in the morning, Jessica sent a text message to her girlfriend. No more shenanigans for Jessica. Her code word for, there will be no sex tonight. The forensic evidence shows Edwards hit Jessica at least seven times with the sword while she lay on the bed, creating the blood spatter on the walls and ceiling. 
Blood evidence shows Edwards put Jessica's body into the trunk of his car, but no one knows where he took her. At some point, he took Jessica's car and left it near the restaurant where they both worked. He later tried to clean up the blood in his bedroom, but there was simply too much of it. Despite being offered a lesser sentence in return for disclosing the location of Jessica's body, Edwards refused to talk. From the human aspect, we want to get her back for, you know, for her family um, because uh, they're good people, uh, you know, they're concerned for her and, uh, you know, they need her back. A jury found Edwards guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced him to 100 years to life in prison. Is there anything you'd like to say to Christopher Edwards? Yes, my, my statement to Christopher Edwards would be, it's over now, please tell us where she's at. We deserve that. We've suffered through 10 months of this, and it's time for us to know so that we can give her a peaceful burial that she deserves. This marked the first ever no-body conviction in Nebraska state history. I don't think there would have been any conviction if the CSI and the forensics hadn't been there. I think she was a girl in love that wanted to make it work, and look what happened. I mean, for me, it's at least once a month where I'll say, you know, where, where, do, you think, where do you think she is? Where do you think her body's at? The forensics told Jessica's story, plain and simple. They spoke where she could not where her body could not tell the story. Her blood spatters, um, that told the story.